2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. The world doesn't think that the gospel can change your life, but we know that it can. And that's why we want you to hear these stories, stories of transformation, stories of freedom, people getting free from sin and healed from sin because of Jesus. This is Death to Life. When she started going to the women's group and she started growing or getting whatever's going on there, I saw that group as a threat to my marriage. It was a threat to my sense of being everything for her. I do believe that our testimony is what helps other people. And not only that, but it gives glory to Jesus. And so I had to wait until Wayne was ready. ready, ready, ready. Yo, welcome to the Death to Life podcast. My name is Richard Young. And today's episode is the last of the three-part series with the Morrisons. And this is with... Pastor Wayne and his wife, Michelle. If you haven't heard the previous two, I really, really recommend that you do it. And this one is just going to cap it off and just talk about the newness of life that we're living in. So um, let's get into the episode. Buckle up, strap in. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Man, this is real talk. God is loving on me. Colorful and innocent, that's on me. Got me standing in the light, and it's on me. It's a new heart, it's a new beat. It's a new thing, it's a new seat. It's a new thing, it's a new dream. It's a new heart, it's a new beat. Yeah. Got me singing like. Oh. Got me singing like. Got me singing like. Oh, man, <laughs> I've just been thinking for the last 30 minutes, because I don't know how much you folks have talked about your own podcast episodes that you recorded with me, uh, but they're both, uh, you guys are going to have, um, I'll say this, when I listened to Natalie's episode, uh, we were lying in bed together and just listening to the episode, and it was difficult. Uh, for me, I was just like, man, uh, and I. But then at the end, it's so beautiful, and I think that 
as I've heard both of your stories, I just can't help but be amazed at how good God is. Amen. And I met, I mentioned that to you, uh, Pastor Morrison, at the end of our interview. I think uh, with uh, Michelle, your interview, we went. That was that was a that was a. A, a three and a half hour long uh, jaunt. So I think at the end we were just like, "All right, we got to stop it at this one." But at the same time, it's I felt the same way, and I'm setting this all up to say, as I've heard both of the stories, I was talking to Tyler about this. I was like, "Man, your folks have been on a journey," mm-hmm. and he said, "Absolutely, they have," and. In all of these tough times and all of these good times, God has been there 100%. But it may have felt weird or hard or different at the time. And I just think of this time, and I think I want to start here, if you don't mind. When your wife is going off with her aunt and Mm -hmm. you're with her aunt and you're at home with some of the kids and some of the kids are with her and you walk me through that pastor and just tell me what kept you. And then I, I obviously I want to get to present day, but I think just to start here because you've seen the goodness of God. And just in this moment of, as she was telling me the story, I'm sorry, this is a lot of preamble, but as she was telling me the story, it was the same feeling I felt when I was interviewing Chico, when Chico was telling me his story. And I'm like, there has to be a, a good ending because we're having this interview right now. But this is crazy. Like, but there, I know there's a good ending. And when she's telling me about this, I was just thinking about you at home. And then when she gets home, and I want to hear your part of this as uh the emotions that you went through, but that how God kept you through this time. Cause I think this is just a faith builder, but you, you tell me. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't think about that very much, but um, I can tell you there was like sh- sheer panic. I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily in a point like I am today where I could say that I'm okay without her. And so when she leaves me, yeah, I'm in. I, everything was falling apart, and I was angry because I couldn't figure out how she could be what I was perceiving as deception. How she could be so deceived? Why they could think that she could only be saved away from our home and away from our the arrest of our children? Um, I remember that night, a, a good friend, really good friend of mine. We've been friends since academy. Uh, came over and spent several hours with me that night. Just, I mean, he didn't know what to say. He just was with me and encouraging me. But it, it, it's a really, it was really confusing because one of the things that I had always trusted in Michelle was her spiritual connection, her, mm-hmm. her connection with God, her spiritual strength. And so when I'm watching some of the things that were taking place that ultimately led her, from my perception, to leave me and to leave 
half our kids and and drive away, I I didn't know if I'd ever see her again. I had no idea what was going to take place. I didn't know where they were. I didn't know what they were doing. Um, it was total confusion and fear because I wasn't grounded in truth. So when she comes home and you guys talk to me about your feeling and then your reaction to her and how you were able to do this when she comes home. So I have not heard her story yet right. from in, in the podcast. So I don't know exactly what she said, uh, but I can tell you that when she came home, there was this like total relief on my part because at least she's back. And if she's back, we can work through this. You know, we can we can work out whatever's going on. But at the same time, there's a I told you in in my podcast that Michelle and I had been we've been on a journey and and there yeah. were there were things that we were trying to discover and things that God was leading us to. And and I did this has bothered me ever since the podcast. I just wanted to be really clear with everyone and especially you. Mm-hmm. Um when I say that we God led us to a lot of these understandings along the way. It's not like we got it all. He was just leading us step by step, truth by truth. And we are still receiving, and we've, we've been extremely blessed by the community of believers that understand freedom in Christ mm-hmm. and, and what it means to, be, to stand in Christ alone. It, it's changed for me. I can say that. So when Michelle comes back, there's relief that she's back, but I'm also watching and listening to the things that she's saying, and I'm not comfortable. I'm not in line with some of the stuff she's doing or saying, but at the same time, I don't want to do anything that that causes her to be frustrated or angry with me or think that I'm lost because I don't understand what she understands, and so then she'd leave again and go off to find do whatever. And so there's this, I'm, I'm walking on this like eggshells waiting for this to come about. And, and at the same time, we're on a journey of discovery. And so is she discovering something that I'm not getting? And, and if she's the one that's solid and I'm the one that's dragging behind, do I need, is there something I'm not seeing? So there, it was, it was interesting time for us. As, as we're looking in the rearview mirror at all of this stuff, I think what jumps out to me is that the testimony isn't I messed up or she messed up. It's look at God, look Amen. at how good God is. And so um, I don't think it, I was talking to someone about this and it was just like, man, the story from the beginning of the marriage, she's just like, oh yeah, I'll forgive him. And that kind of blows me away. And then I'm sure in the same way at, at the later part in the turn of the century, uh, 2001, 2002, I'm sure you were the same way. Oh, yeah, she's welcome back in the house. Yeah, I don't, we're, we're good. I, I, am I right about what I just said about how this, like Romans, Romans 5 and James 1, that all of this has come into your marriage and has made you guys just different? Yeah. All things work together for good. 
to those who love the Lord, right? Yeah. And I, I think that um, you, you use the term, and we use this often, the, if it doesn't break us, it makes us stronger, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and I, think, I think there's a lot of choice involved. I can choose to be broken. When, when Michelle confronted me on my infidelity, she could, she could have chosen for that to break us. Or she can choose to allow God to heal us, which in that healing, we become stronger. In, that, in those moments when life gets really crazy, I can choose to let that moment be the end. Or I can choose to trust that God can do all things and that he's going to bring good and strength through the circumstance. And so I don't think it's just, well, that I survived that one. I think we actually, there's a point where we make a choice to believe the lie that this will break us or the truth that God can save us. Does that make sense? Oh, for sure it does. Wrong. And I look at God in this, and Michelle, you can tell me about this. You were able to forgive so freely because, and if I remember the timeline correctly, you had already turned around. Like there's this these people pouring into you. You're hearing like, the, the body of Christ is wrapping arms around you, whether it's two or three women in this group or this one. And so, like, when it happens, and, and I just think about my story about how when I was going through whatever I was going through and losing my job, Natalie had already seen God's love. And so, if she hadn't, she would have been like, all oh, this is your fault. You're ruining our lives. But God, knowing that, allowed her to see this and she was able to be like, no, babe, you're, you're good. And so Michelle, like when you tell me like, oh yeah, I had already seen who he was in, in, in a real way. It does, is, is that your experience? Like you had been loved. And so you're like, yeah, I'm going to forgive. Yeah. In terms of Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and their support was what, <laughs> got me through that because God had put uh, a healthy um, take responsibility for yourself kind of um, messages into me, which prior to that, I didn't have that. All I knew was that my feelings were raging with pain and I didn't know what to do with that. But after I turned around, after I was born again and God gives me new friendships, a new support system, a support system Wayne didn't approve of. He didn't like me going there because I was vulnerable, but I was vulnerable and I was careful, but that still would, you know, trip into his own shame and guilt for anybody to know anything about us that's somewhat private. But I would share things with a totally different purpose. And the purpose was so that I could be more like Jesus and how I interact and what doesn't, you know, it's hard life. Um, one of the things that I have likened it to, and I think Jesus gave me this picture, but since I'm a nurse back in school, um, I'm very good at the mental and I'm a good student. You know, I read, 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 and I like it, but the putting it into practice, that's a harder deal for me. The doing the doing. And this group of women that I met with, we were all more concerned about doing things like Jesus would 
in whatever situation we found ourselves in. And when it came to marriage, those are the things that are the hardest. And in terms of nursing, um, nursing, you would go to class and then you would go to lab where you go to get to practice what you were doing. And I, I saw my home and I saw my marriage. I saw my parenting. Um, I saw my relationships with those closest to me as my laboratory. Um, this is my laboratory of love that I live in. It's not a hospital, but it is a hospital, you know, and it's like the most, the closest relationships I would hope they're not going to walk away from me so that when I mess up, you know, I, I would find love there even, even before all this happened, I would, and then Wayne would say, you know, through all this that, you know, I did to you, I really loved you. And that was hard for me to wrap my mind around because it's like, what is that making me guilty for what you did? I I just, I couldn't wrap my mind around that. And yet years later, um, I can understand it. You know, distance has, you know, it's not about me. You know, it isn't, it was about him and his issue, but it took, you know, many years in looking backwards to understand that it wasn't about me. I didn't have the truths that Jayla had, you know, can, can I comment on that? Sure. I, I uh, a friend of mine uh, messaged me the other day and she said, I just listened to Jayla's episode and it wrecked me. And I said, tell me about it. Right. And she had a similar situation where her husband um, was gaslighting her, telling her that the problems in their marriage were all her fault and that, and I've been hearing this, and I've mentioned this several times on the podcast, so it might be might sound like I'm, I'm beating a dead horse, but he wanted a doctor to prescribe or just to, to say that she was a narcissist. Um, and I'm hearing that so much, this label that we put on people so that we don't have to deal with them, and it's so popular, and it's not like this is a human being who may not understand God's love, um, and that's why they're acting this way but this is like no you are this thing and and the gospel is so against that um and and we get so much pushback um because the wisdom of man says well this this and this but god says this so anyway she's she's telling me this story and she says when when jayla says don't take it personally um she was able to see that and then this 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 thing where they, they divorced, it happened three years ago. And then just recently he's come to say, yeah, I was um, hoping I was having an emotional affair with someone at that time. And I was hoping that they would take me in. And that's why I did this thing to you where wow. for three years she could have thought, cause she was being gaslit that this was her fault. This was her fault. And so much of the time I try to tell people, no, 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 this is not, this is not your fault. And when we talk about we did love, and I, I, uh, I really uh, this is how I I say it. I really wanted to love Natalie. Yes, <laughs> I really wanted to, and I thought that I did, mm-hmm. but I didn't because if, if love is extreme care and deep heartfelt feelings for somebody, well then yes, I did that, but I didn't keep. I kept record of wrong. I sought my own. I put myself first. Yep. And so did I love her? 
Well, no, not by the definition of the love, <laughs> agape love that the Bible is talking about. It could exactly. be eros or, or it, it, it wasn't love like that. But the truth is, we've all had sincere hearts. We know that God is good, but we just haven't been able to figure it out because we've been in some stuff. Um, and so that's the problem is like so many couples, they both really want to love each other but they haven't really understood God yet. And yeah. this is how John says it. He says, if you love, you know God. Yeah. If you don't love, he says that you don't know God. I'll, go, I'll say that you don't know God as well as you could because there's something missing, right? Yeah. Wait. So that, look, let me just in, in interject this because it, I think it's really important to a spouse who, well, whoever it's important to. Let me just say this. When she started going to the women's group and she started growing or getting whatever's going on there, I saw that group as a threat to my marriage. I saw it as a threat. And I say my marriage, that's a loose term. But what it really was is what you were just talking about. It was a threat to my sense of being everything for her. Michelle starting to to understand what it means to to stand without me she she's got she's strengthening her relationship with god and i want to be god i mean i would never say yeah. that out loud but my false identity would need that from her and so i saw this women's group as an incredible threat to our life my my wholeness when in fact it became the thing that prepared her to save our marriage prepared her for what God knew was going to come that she would have to stand through. And if it wasn't for them, she may not. We, we may not. You know, we, I just praise God for the group. And I praise God that Michelle persevered in that. And it was hard because I was catching all kinds of pushback. And it's like Jesus was showing me. It's like a drowning person that is being saved with yeah. a... And these people had thrown me, you know, the inner tube, and I was on rough seas, and they were in a great big boat, and they're pulling me in, sort of, but it's over three and a half years, and the waves are still crashing over me. I mean, it was, I had to make conscious choice, but because there was such life there, I mean, I received water every mm-hmm. single time. I was getting I was getting fed when my church hadn't fed me. I was angry at my church. I was kind of angry at my pastors in the past, including those that were closest to me that were my pastors. It's like, how come nobody can tell me how to live this? You know, how can, and then I'm finding out that this born again, these women also share the same experience as me. And it's like, this is life. I don't care what Wayne's saying or what he's accusing me of or whatever. This is life. And I know it's true. And this is my only lifeline. And if I don't follow it to the end or wherever it's going to go, we'll go under. I will go under. And we tended, I remember asking God, it's like, why do I always have to be the one to do it first or to do, to hear it first or to, you know, I have to love you know, in spite of the fact that he just did some gaslighting or whatever to me, you know, and it's like, and he said, because you're listening. Well, he might have said, well, because that's what love is. Love is you love first. 
I got kind of tired of it there for a while. <laughs> you know what? What you're saying, what you guys are saying is reminding me of this, and it doesn't fit perfectly, but I think it makes a lot of sense. People say that everything in life is about sex, except for sex. Sex is about power. <laughs> and so, but I've thought about it in this way. Everything in life is about sex, except for sex. Sex is about fear of rejection and love. Like, mm. we're out here trying to be enough, trying to be enough, and rejection says we're not enough. And fear says we're not enough. So she's going to this woman's group and you're losing, in your mind, you are losing power. Some Another word we can use is control. Another word is you're afraid of being rejected. And because if this woman's group does this, then, oh, then there's a chance that you're you're rejected. And this is all to say, like, we act this way when we don't believe, when we believe we are able to be rejected. Like, mm. it's like, she did this to me. Like another woman called me a couple of weeks ago. Her husband cheated on her. It's because she is worthy to be cheated on. It's because she did this thing. It's mm. because, and so she's like, it's not like he just messed up because he's medicating because he doesn't know God's love. It's exactly. he did it to me. And that's why everybody hears this. There's this response to somebody cheating, oh, how could they do that to you? Where I don't think you were, I, mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, you weren't doing it to her to spite her. You were lost, right? You're not trying to get her, but then when it happens, it's like, no, you did it to me. And I'm sure, uh, Michelle, you probably felt he did this to me okay. rather than he's lost. I did. Yeah, I wasn't, I didn't know enough of that until later with this group when he's accusing me of things that are not right because he's not understanding that the very, the very love that I'm learning to extend to him in the midst of uh, confusion and, and nastiness or not walking away. Um, Because at this point, you know, we're, we're not walking in the truth. I don't know anything yet. You know, I have no idea other than he, we just argue and fight a lot. And so in those fight moments where you're learning, it's like, huh, what is this one about? Is this, is this about me or is this about something else? And you're, you're going to this group not to bash your husband. It becomes a, and it, and it was always couched in very me, you know, I am experiencing this kind of, problem or this kind of uh, conversation came up and then out of the wisdom of some of the other ones and how they handled something similar in their lives so that they could lift up basically just ask act like Jesus we don't act like Jesus automatically you know it's mm-hmm. like it's uh, some things happened yesterday that you know both of us had to it was old ways of reacting and interpreting mm-hmm. and um, I saw something that I perceived as something that Wayne said that was, huh, this isn't truth. You're not speaking out of freedom here. And it feels manipulative on my end. Back then, there were so many of those. I mean, every time you talked almost, you're, you're expressing things out of your bondage. 
And most often it is pointed at someone else with four, four or five fingers pointed back at yourself, but you're not realizing it because you're busy blaming and just learning the blame shame thing, you know, having, you know, how to identify that. Um, It was, it was lifeline. It was also, I, I was in my laboratory you know, as soon as I left that prayer group, you know, I'm in that lab of not only my husband, but I'm a parent, you know. <laughs> let, let me ask you this before we go, we get to 2019. Um, is there something that as a, a married couple, you've been married for 35 plus years? I don't, I don't, I don't know the number. 41. 41. 41, 42. Yeah. 41, 42, who have seen the ups and downs of it all. And there's a couple who loves the Lord, but is playing the shame game, who is playing the blame game, who is, and I, I, this sounds harsh, but is, they're both operating in self-centeredness. They're both trying to take care of themselves. And they're in their first five, first 10 years of marriage, and they're hearing this. What is something that you could say to that couple? I don't know, I'm sure you could write a novel, but some kind of encouragement that you give it, you can give them from a couple who's seen it all and knows that God is actually good. We, we have not seen it all, but there's this, this line that keeps going over in in my mind from scripture there, they hunger and thirst after righteousness. And I can say that even in the darkest the darkest moments of my life, at the moments of my greatest failures, quote unquote, um, I know in my heart that when God would speak to me or I would speak to him, he could hear me crying out. My desire, true desire, was to know him. And I hated the other part that was being manipulated and controlled. Even though I was a manipulator and controller, I hated being controlled, right? And, Mm -hmm. and, when the truth begins to set in, these concepts that, that we're talking about, we kind of say that we, Michelle and I, you, the people that have, have found them. When we were in Hawaii recently doing the marriage talks, I was listening to Eddie and Jayla and Tyler and Morgan and Jonathan, and we say things like it's simple because it's something that we've accepted and now has become part of our speak. Mm-hmm. But to lay down our rights to trust God with our relationship, to be whole in Him, we nod in agreement, but those things are big. They're, they're it. Yeah. For me, they're yeah. it. Yeah, the only way, you know, we talk about it in a very matter-of-fact and simple way. Oh, well, you're taking rights. You have to lay down your rights. There's only mm-hmm. one way you can do that. And that is if you are extremely loved. If you're not extremely loved, it's not worth it to lay down your rights. You got to have rights. (laughs) Like you have to protect yourself unless you're extremely loved by something outside of yourself and outside of the person that you want to love. So I have to speak to that a little bit. (laughs) Do it. Because I didn't have that. It wasn't what motivated my behavior. Um, even in all of this, the feeling, the, the knowledge that God loves me was in my head. And there was a point where God spoke to me and said, 
You know, I mean, I just knew it. You know, he said, I, I want you to quit reading all this stuff. I don't even, I don't want you reading anything but the Bible. Um, you're taking in way too much information than what you can do. And plus, I want to lead you. So I just want you to listen to me. I want you to just do this because I want you to know that you're loved. And I want you to ask me so that you are acting out of, a, you know, acting out of being loved instead of um, obedience for obedience sake, or just because, so I, I look at a lot of my life up to a certain point as trusting him that he's going to do this in and for me somehow, even though I don't feel loved. I know it in my head, but I don't sense it in my heart. I would look at Wayne and his family. And I remember it's like, we went through not one, but two bankruptcies and all the stuff and all the pain and all the poverty and all the giving up and the lack of control and all that stuff. We went through both of those together post conversion for both of us, Mm -hmm. but it was really tough, tough stuff that we're living. The first time we had three kids, the second time we had six kids. Uh, There was a point where we had nowhere to live and we were going somewhere the next day where all of our stuff would either get put in a, a semi or maybe we could go into this house that God was in. He, he actually did give us it. So it's like, we, we could, t- it's like, we know what it's like to have your own business and lose everything twice. You know, we know what it's like to lose our, just about lose our marriage twice. You know, it's like these things that God was doing for us and in us were because there are things in us that need to be removed And this is the only way. And so my walk was one of trusting him. It's like I would choose, I would choose to trust him in spite of what I saw, in spite of what I was feeling, in spite of how good I am or how not good I am. And when it came to my own, my own failure, my own great big aha moment that I am not enough, you know, that my Mm. trust is not enough. my trust is enough. And it's like, he had given me the way back, but both of us needed to experience my failure, you know, Mm. and both of us need to, to experience his failure because Mm. I grew in some significant ways. I would have never, I would have never grown in or seen in myself apart from that experience. And it's rather awful, but it tells us how deeply rooted sin is, how powerful sin is, and how on this side of the cross, and especially this message now that we're walking in, um, that of taking up your cross and following me, laying it down and knowing that I'm loved. Um, that yeah. took me a while. That took well, let a me, while. You're saying this because you're talking about when it goes from your head to your heart knowledge. And I know right. sometimes I hate talking about it like that because they're like, oh, there's a formula. But I've been reading in Ephesians this week, and Ephesians 1, 18 says it like this, yeah. having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Yes. So it's we not about that. like this understanding that you get from just book knowledge. It's the eyes of your heart in, are enlightened yes. to what? what? What, Paul? That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the yeah. riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might. Like, he doesn't want you to, to like, like, oh, I read it on this book, I have power. 
He wants the eyes of our hearts to understand that. And I think it only comes from him giving that to us as a gift. Like you can't sit there and say, okay, I read it in the book. I believe it. I believe it. No, he gives it as a gift. And this is kind of where I want to move this story to. You're seeing all this stuff happen with Tyler. And we talked a little bit about it in each one of your episodes, but I want to kind of take this story from you're hearing about what's going on with Tyler. You hear what's happened with Morgan. Morgan has this, this, we just celebrated it yesterday, three years ago, (laughs) three years ago where she's 30 minutes. She's about to, about to divorce Tyler. And then she's like, she receives this truth because of God's love, because, because of God's grace. She sees that you hear this, both of you together, and then you start going on this journey um, to get rid of the guilt, condemnation, and shame that has been a part of your life. Uh, take me through that. Let, let's, let's, can we go there? Can we talk about that? Sure. Which part? <laughs> start, tell the story. Tell the story because the story goes from you guys hearing this thing, seeing this miracle, You've experienced miracles yourselves and now going into this eradication of the enemy guilting you and shaming you. And just tell so, the story. I don't know. Just um, you had asked before, and I think we talked about a little bit in my in my podcast, but the the hope that is ours because we've experienced being saved. And when I say being saved, I'm not talking about just a born-again experience. I'm talking about the fact that God can bring us out of the depths of any experience. So when I hear that Tyler and Morgan are going into that moment, um, I was actually just telling, obviously from a third-person perspective, but I was just telling the miracle of Morgan's conversion this morning, how instantaneously God did something in her heart that we all know, literally changed her in a, in a moment. It's incredible. It's but after, after I was sharing that, I was thinking about it to myself, and I was thinking, well, the same miracle took place for Tyler. It just didn't happen in a moment. It was something that grew on, on him, if I can say it that way. Mm-hmm. But he, he sought after it, and he wrestled through it, and then he had to cling to it even while Morgan was still rejecting him. And so... I think what I'm saying is that we all have different journeys, but what I I can speak from my own is that I believe God has placed in each of us a desire for him. We were created with this God spot in our hearts. Mm-hmm. And when we get really messed up, when we're um when I was in those dark moments, I had I had literally not filled or allowed the void to be filled with God, and I was seeking to fill it with something else. You and I talked about it. Mm-hmm. My deal was acceptance. My my deal was being liked or being accepted by everybody, and and that overwhelming desire to be accepted created all kinds of scenarios, not just in adultery, but the way I did work, you know, for me in sales, to make a sale, people say, well, Wayne's a great salesman. Yeah, well, 
probably because he fights so hard to be accepted. And my acceptance was a yes. If I got somebody to say yes to me, I was, and so my value came from winning in that negotiation. Um, It's those things over and over. And it is just, it is good to know today that I am accepted and loved by God. And that he has overwhelmed me with his love. When you say that you have a God spot in your heart, it just, in my mind, it's like, it's called home. When we're not at home, we don't feel right and we don't even know what it is. But home is unity with your father because it's what you were always created for. If you're walking around outside of home, it doesn't feel right. And there's so many people who are not, they don't have this feeling because the safety and the security of being where you were supposed to be, where you were created to be, um, and how he's always seen you and what his plans have always been for you is to be home. And so when you're home, there's safety. When you're home, there's freedom. When you're home, there's love. That's why we, (laughs) yeah. So when you're saying there's a God spot, go ahead. I have, when you said that, I have two pictures that come to my mind. The first one is um, my grandpa and grandma would invite the whole family over for dinner. And, And my favorite Sabbath afternoons were at my grandpa and grandma's house. And all of my aunts and uncles in the house, and I would lay down on the floor and sort of nap. But just listening to them visit and laugh, and and you got to know that my grandpa and my dad and my uncles, they all have this, it's a laugh. And so when they're all laughing, and my aunts have it too, but when they all laugh, it's just awesome. Mm-hmm. But that sense of home, laying there in front of the fireplace, listening to everybody, and know that you're surrounded by love is, is just home. The other one is, and I think, I know you've probably experienced it, Michelle and I have. When we were in the academy, we would go, 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 go. It's like this. They, I think they have the mentality that if they keep us busy enough, uh, we won't get into trouble, which is not true. It's a but theory. <laughs> it's a theory. So. But when we get home on break, and I don't know how it was for everyone else, but I can tell you, I would sleep like for 24 hours straight. It's like I could come to a place where it was safe, yeah. where I could just rest. Yes. And I would, I would, I would rest for hours at a time. But just coming home, that, that sense of home. And I know, I know that with God now, even though life gets crazy, when I can get alone with him, when I get to that secret place. Yeah. It's like laying on the floor in front of the fireplace and just relax. It's, it's, I'm home. So Uh, one of the questions you keep on asking, (laughs) at least I think with regards to Tyler, um, I feel like at that point he was starting to catch up with us. He was going through his own Gethsemane where I think um, one of One of the pivotal verses at the very beginning of my own turnaround, and Wayne bought me a picture that it was a a piece of art that reminded me of the verse where it says, the wind blows where it will, 
so it is with everyone who is born of the Holy Spirit. And it's like, you can't control the wind. You can see the effects. But it's like all these how-tos, you know, how, how do I get this? How do I get it to go from my head to my heart? How do I even get this relationship that everybody's talking about? That was part of Morgan's frustration. It's like, everybody seems to have it. I don't have it. I don't know how to get it. And it's like, and it's nothing that she did to get it even when it finally happened. And it's like, I looked at this with regards to both of them. And it's like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I trust the one who knows. And I trust that God's going to do this. And then at some point, you know, it's something that every, you know, in theory, every parent would hope for, I would think, is that your kids would exceed your spirituality or your walk with God. Um, and go running on ahead because you pushed them up. You know, you gave them that leg up, you know, to get up over the wall. And they took it and they ran with it. But a lot of times we as parents, well, pride will come in the way. And it's like, well, is it something that I can learn from? You know, it's like, it's a very different, uh, different, I don't know. It's, it's different because we're parents. Yeah. You know, and I'm supposed to have gone on far enough ahead that I'm kind of paving the way for you. And yet it's it's like this equalizer. You know, my son and I are not mother and son in the spirit. We are brother and sister in the spirit. Mm. And it's like that's kind of a demotion in some ways, you know. And I think those that hear the truth from their kids, you know, or... Because a lot of you guys, I mean, I'm talking with a friend of mine and she's kind of going on this freedom journey along with me, with, with me, mm-hmm. but you guys don't know her, but the two of us are in our fifties and sixties, you know, and we've lived a lot of life and it's like, you guys are really young. Some of, some of you are in your nineties and twenties. And then we remind ourselves, it's like, wow, you know, our movement is an Advent movement started with 16 17, 18, 21-year-old kids that we look back at as, you know, these giants in the faith, but they were just kids Mm. with a heart for truth that God dumped it into their laps. And I feel like the same thing is true today. It's like there is a truth that I think there's stuff that we can give to you um, if you want it. Mm -hmm. Um, Different things that we have lived or, you know, I feel like because in and through all of this, my own story uh, came in the middle of when we finally started pastoring. <laughs> it was like Wayne had been running from this calling for all this time. And then here we are. He has no education. Um, I'm doing this weirdo thing uh, with regards <laughs> to spiritual warfare. And yet it was because of pride on my end, you know, spiritual pride um, that I was listening to the Holy Spirit, and I was. And I I do believe he let me go down that path because I had to be free of this in order to keep going. And we look at all the things that we've experienced financially, um, maritally, parentally, you know, all these things. And it's like these, this was, this was our seminary. This was our schooling. This was learning from the hand of God what to pass on. It was the stuff that I was missing and that I resented because I didn't get it from my, my church. It's like we were given this platform to speak and to 
bring other people alongside into home, into a place of safety. Um, and we wanted to share the things we learned. Let's talk about pride because we're talking about pride and parenting. And the, this idea is, well, I'm supposed to know this thing. And I've been thinking about it like this. The Debt to Life podcast is in the top 5% of listened to podcasts, which is like, that's cool. In the same way that you and I are among the richest people in the world (laughs) because we live in America. Now, (laughs) the Death to Life podcast compared to, let's say, like the Joe Rogan podcast it's not in the same stratosphere. It's not near like his, his podcast. Every episode has millions upon millions of downloads. And our mind does not our riches that you and I have. We're not in the same stratosphere as, as Elon Musk yet. We're some of the richest people in the world. When we act like we know like you, you've been married for 41 years. I've been married for 14 years. So you're in the top 5% of knowledge in this area compared to me and Natalie. And Natalie and I just, you know, we're, we're starting out into this thing. But in comparison with what we could know and how we're growing and maturing, mm. like we're not there yet, even though you've been married for 41 years. You're in the top 5%. You're in the richest people in the world. But in comparison to the grace that we have available to us, if we shut that off and we're just like, well, I'm supposed to know. I can't learn anything. I can't be taught anything. I can tell people, oh, well, I'm in the top 5% of podcasts. So I can't learn anything about podcasting or I can't, we can't do it better than we're doing it now. And that's this lie that makes it seem like it's about us and stops so many people. And I'm thinking about G.I. Butler, the president of the Adventist Church in 1888, who says we got to hold on to the old ways because this message that these boys are sharing from California and what Ellen White is saying, like, we can't do it. We can't do it. And so pride rejects anything that's new that you haven't figured out yourself. And so many people hear this gospel and man, it hit me. I know it's hit older, older folks that have been in the message a lot longer than myself. They're like, no, 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 easy there, easy there. Um, wh- do you resonate with that? Like, how does that hit you? Not me. <laughs> because <laughs> part of it is like, this is what I've been seeking for my entire life. Wow. This has been the journey of, I knew that something got missed and something got missed bad in 1888, but I didn't know how badly. And then you start accumulating. And then when you start, when you get the truth, I have a friend that the two of us, she was in that prayer group with me. Um, The two of us were walking. Uh, She and I just reconnected. We lost our relationship over legalism, I believe. Both of us took paths that have brought us to God and to his feet. But it's like, it's one of the first things I want to share with her because her children left. Mine did not. And yet on this end, it's like part of why people leave is because the power of God to actually transform us inwardly by the renewing of our minds has not been established or it has been experienced with them. Uh, Tyler and I were talking recently and it was like, he was saying, 
our testimony. You know, we, we are saved. Those in Revelation, it says, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And I was asking, it's like, how do you, how do you work with someone that's blind, that is, you know, how do you, how do you get there? And he was just kind of encouraging me and saying, well, what I've learned is that I can tell them the truth. I can tell them this, that, and the other. He goes, but when they speak it themselves, they speak some lie that you point out. It's like they have to hear it with their own ears. They have to hear the word coming out of their mouths and then recognize it's like, well, is that the truth according to the Bible? It's almost like I can't tell them and them hear it. It's almost like they have to hear it from their own mouth. And it's mm-hmm. like, how do I do that? And he goes, well, you listen a lot and you ask questions. Jesus does that. I mean, I, I noticed that in my own study of Jesus. How did he do it? He was so good at asking questions, but you can't ask the right questions unless you already kind of know more than the one that is in the receiving end. And so walking this out with Jesus, asking those uh, who have walked this, um, Tyler Morgan, you, you guys have walked this, this particular piece bigger and longer than me. And it's like, you've seen transformations in people that, I haven't yet in person or been responsible for leading someone. And it's like, how, how do I do this? There are how to's or else Jesus wouldn't have had disciples that followed him and watched them, him walk and how to do it. There were times where Ellen White said that one come rest a while in desire of ages. It says he, they had need of much instruction and they were tired and he brought them to a, you know, a, a seaside where they could rest and he could instruct them. And it's like, that's the laboratory. You know, we're sharing that we're sharing with each other what it is and how God works. And he works kind of like this. And there are lots of common ground um, in terms of verbiage. When I meet people that are not of my faith and yet they will have the same truths and they'll even speak them in the same words. Like one of them is, um, this doesn't surprise God. Nothing, you know, this didn't catch Jesus by surprise with regards to some hard thing that's happened mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. You know, in these little quips that say, oh, they're born again too. We are walking in the spiritual family of God and you instantly sense it in your spirit, but it's not something I can manufacture. Um, but I think we are, it's almost like we live it like the, like Paul says, we are the fragrance of God. Mm-hmm. Um, even the the ground we walk on is holy ground because the God of the universe lives inside of us. This fragrance, when people smell it from us because of the love of God in us, it's like they want it. Jesus told me not long ago, I journal and he tells me things in this hole in our heart that is shaped like God. He exploded it farther. He said, it's not just a hole, Michelle. It's a vortex, a vacuum of a chasm, a a vacuum into the very depths of, it it vacuums things out of you. Um, He gave me different words, but it's like this hole is so deep. It's so vast. It's so, you think it's just a little hole that you place me in. Uh -uh, Uh-uh, uh-uh. This is, 
it sucks the very life out. You will implode mm. um, because of sin. That's how deep and horrible sin is. And the wow. rescuing is just as, you know, we think that it's some horrible thing that's happened to us. And it's like, no, sin is so horrible that it costs to walk mm. in the light. It might hurt, but it's not harming us. It is bringing us out of that vortex of, it's like a cyclone of suckiness <laughs> down into the depths of hell. Yeah. And he is, in an instant, he has borne us again into his spirit. We are no longer dead. We are life. He has placed his life in us because he purchased it for us so that we can live and be like him. He became like us so that we can be like him. And that instant born again thing, it's just as miraculous and way more miraculous than that of a newborn baby that just so rocks our world, you know, and yet we are that to him because of us. Man, when, um, when we realize that Jesus's blueprint and how he did it, is that he wants us to tell our story. Um, but we can't tell our story if we, st- <laughs> if there's no life in the story. And mm-hmm. I've always thought, that, uh, since freedom, I've thought this. If you don't feel like you have a story, you might not know the gospel yet. I, I think that when we know it, we realize, oh, I have gone from death to life, and it, and it changes us radically. And I'm saying this because uh, when you guys were like, you've always had a story, and your story is incredible, as we've been hearing this this whole time. But the reason why this podcast is in the top 5% or whatever, which really means that there's a billion podcasts that nobody listens to, and some people <laughs> listen to ours, um, is because some people listen to this, is because of the stories. Mm-hmm. And when we can tell the story, and I think that's one of the things when, you know, Tyler and I would talk and I'm like, hey, how's your pop? What does he think about this? And he's like, yeah, man, he's down. He's down, man. And I knew that you were into it, Michelle, because like you were getting on the Bible study and you were just like injecting Dan Moeller into your veins. You're just like, yeah, give me this gospel. I want it now. And... um. And I'm like, but how's your pop handling it? And then when you hear, I want to tell the story, because the story is no longer about you. It's about him. If it's about you, then there's some trouble maybe, but it's about him. Tell me about when you're like, my life has been a miracle and I want to tell this story. So I've been thinking about what you said about the 5% um, richest in the world or podcasts listened to and listening to what Michelle just said. And I'm trying to kind of put this in perspective then also with the question that you're asking. Yeah. And there's a, there's a couple verses in Bible in the Bible that I'm trying to parallel and make them Come into line. Jesus said to the woman at the well, if you would drink from the water that I have to offer, you will never thirst again. And I'm not sure I can I can relate 
because the more I drink, the more I want. And so when he says, it sounds like he's saying, if you get one drink, you'll never be thirsty again. And yet I think I'm going to go to the well and I'm going to keep drinking as if it'll never go dry. And I'm just going to keep drinking and drinking and drinking. And I think Mm -hmm. about that in terms of the 5%. Um, If you look from where you're at, your podcast, and look at the ones that aren't being listened to, you can get kind of prideful about the fact that you're way ahead of all of those. If you look the other direction, you realize there's somebody drawing something that you're not. And you could you could tend to look at it with a resentfulness that you're not achieving what they're achieving, or you can look at it with a desire because you want what they've got. No. Don't go there with the podcast. You're doing great. God's got you right where he wants. <laughs> but the same, the same is true for me in my journey. I can look at what I've experienced and I can tell you I am so blessed. I am so blessed. I, I know what God has done in my life. I know what he has done in my family. And I, I love listening to the kids talk about spiritual things and and quote scripture back and forth to each other and, and talk about joy and freedom. And, and I'm just overwhelmed with the, the story. But I'm not, I'm not satisfied. I know there's more. I want more. Every day I'm learning new things about my journey with God and what he wants. And I'm wrestling with some stuff, the, the whole picture of rights and, and how what unconditional love really is. Because every time it's described, we, I was in a Bible study this morning and, and with the guys that I was studying with, the presentation was on unconditional love. And I was kind of surprised the presenters kept talking about unconditional love mm-hmm. with conditions. They would mm-hmm. say, we're supposed to love unconditionally, but if someone does this or this or this, then you have to cut them off. And I'm like, Uh, that's not unconditional anymore. But we're programmed with this stuff. And I know that as much as I have received, that's the other text, Matthew chapter 10, freely you have received, freely give. Mm -hmm. And what I'm looking for, what God, the Spirit is making me aware of, are those that need to hear what I heard. Mm -hmm. When I hear someone who is struggling for affirmation, I can let them know the same thing that God spoke to me. But it's not what I say to them that's going to make a difference. It's when God speaks to them that it changes their life. People have been, quote unquote, preaching to Morgan for months. Mm -hmm. But it was when God spoke to her heart that it transformed her in a moment. It It was incredible. When I can talk to someone about what it means to lay down your life and let God be Lord. And yet, when God speaks to them about what it means to lay it down, it changes them in a moment. I think what I'm, if I wrap this part up for me, it's that I feel like I am so blessed with what I've received, and yet I'm looking up. And if we talk about the wealth of our nation, I realize we're a wealthy nation. And when I look at other nations or other people that are are struggling just to find a meal for the day, 
It's easy for me to feel blessed, to understand the blessing I live in. If I look at other wealthy people in my nation, I look around and I see there is a lot more that I don't have. And I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not worried about wealth. But if I use that in the spiritual sense, I am so blessed with what God has given me and how he's led me to where I am. But I also know he's not done. There's a lot more. I don't think through all eternity I will understand all of the depths of love and grace. But I sure I'm going to enjoy every drink I get. In the fall of 2019, the Love Reality Squad made it back to PVC, where we recorded Wave 2, which is uh, the jump off from Tyler and Morgan's story, Joyce and Will, BB. All of that is, is free on YouTube at PVC Life. It's called uh, Love Reality Tour Ransom and Renewed. So if you want to hear the whole week of Wave 2, uh, check out PVC Life. Love Reality Tour, Ransom and Renewed. You'll be blessed. I think it's just like, I'm not afraid anymore of, I guess I'm just not afraid. I used to be like, well, what if I don't understand this thing? What if I don't understand this thing? And now I'm just like, I'm just going for it. Yep. I'm just going for it. And so like with this podcast, for example, I don't want to, I don't sit there and compare with uh, Joe Rogan. I don't. And like Hui is, is trying to, he, I, I love this guy because he thinks differently than I do. He's like, oh, we're going to get it. We're going to get this many people listening to it and da 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 And I'm like, okay, cool, cool, dude. You think about that stuff because I do want a lot of people to listen to it. But the reason I want a lot of people to listen to it is so they can hear these crazy stories of people receiving life. Uh, of Jesus touching their hearts. Um, and so, yeah, I want a ton of people to hear it, but it's because, it's not because the Death to Life podcast is, that the Death to Life podcast can be like a cool thing. I don't think people listen to the Death to Life. Hopefully this is correct. I don't think people listen to the Death to Life podcast and walk away and be like, man, what a podcast. <laughs> I want them to walk away and think, man, Wayne and Michelle were really loved by God. They were really loved by God. God really loves them. They know God's love in a way that I don't. I don't know if I know God. Because in that way, because this is the lens that we look at everything through. Like, if you read the scriptures and they make you more pious and they make you more judgmental, then you don't know God. It's not that you're not reading the scriptures. It's that you don't know who he is. You don't know that he's love. You don't know that he loves you. Like, so yeah. you still have to prop yourself up. When you read it and you're like, I know who God is, then you can go to the bottom of the table and sit there and wait for the master to say, hey, come up, come up. Because you know that God is love. You know how good he is. And so, no, our like... Stories, our stories are to say... I've been to this depth and mm -hmm. Jesus reached down all the way to this point. And yeah. it's like, and brought them up. And it's, if my story resonates with someone else, it's because they're walking a similar walk. And 
every one of our walks are different. And yet Satan wants to cause confusion, which was one of the principles I learned during my walk. There was a, there was a lot of truth in that walk as well Mm -hmm. uh, with regards to spiritual realms and which one's which. And I got snagged because of pride um, in myself. Jesus didn't let me go though. He let me go to the very edge, which he often does with all of us. We'll say, you know, God is never late, but he's never early. And it feels like that's another one, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, and when I, there are still ways, there are ways of the kingdom to walk in that we're all learning about. And it's like that aspect, you know, the transferable ways, the, the things, this is how Jesus has taught me about mm-hmm. this. And one of, one of them for me that I tend to bring it into real life rather than the great big, huge pictures, because he's walked me little steps at a time. This is what his kingdom looks like. This is what his kingdom acts like. Um, I just started a diet. I have been on many diets. Um, the whole food thing. Um, I'm a good 50 pounds overweight. If not more, we'll see. Um, but it's like in this journey, I hit all the things that I normally hit in a diet, you know, after a week. And it's not just a diet this time. This is, this is a God thing. But I remember at one point, it's like, Jesus, I know I'm not healthy. I know I'm not doing everything that I should, or I, I don't even know what all those things are. But I also knew that every time I would bring it to him, he would say, not yet. Hmm. Um, not yet. And it's like, you know, I'm not going to do something one more time that gives glory to me. I don't mm. want to look better just because I want to look better and thinner and wear cuter clothes. Uh-uh. <laughs> I don't want that. I want, I want to be healthy. I want to glorify God in my body, but if I'm not ready and I'm not to that point, you know, God, you're just going to have to do this. So uh, Christopher and Carrie went on the same, the same thing. And I, I saw it. I saw it as, I, I felt like it was truth and it mm. was, it was a way that was going to make me healthier. And he, I went to him three times. It's like, can I do this with them? I've never gotten to do a weight loss program with anybody before. I've always had to do it on myself, by myself. And he goes, no, not time. And it's like I, three times. And it's like after the third time, it's like, okay, I'll quit. You know, you're going to have to do something for me when it's time. Hmm. Well, week and a half ago, you know, he let me know it was time. And it's like, well, I, I wasn't going to go their direction. I was going to go another direction that I thought. And last a week ago, Monday, was when I was going to start and invest and put all the pieces in place of the things that I'd learned up until now that had kind of worked. And make myself accountable to somebody, which I hate doing that usually. But he said, lay down your crop. You know, that's part of dying to self, <laughs> this, whole, this whole food thing. And what he taught me yesterday, uh, actually, it totally messed up last weekend. We went, I mean, I was hitting every trigger of food thing. And it was Mm -hmm. like, I had one little bite of a little bit of sugar on my finger. I mean, I licked my finger and it was like, I was done. And I went right (laughs) off, right off. And it's like, okay, as long as I've done this, then I might as well do this. And I might as well eat this. I know what that's like, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, I got to the end and every single time that I've done that before, I've totally fallen off the wagon. I can't be perfect. I can't do it. And then Jesus looked at me and he said, Michelle, 
Do you think this is any different than what Tyler had to deal with? How did he do it? Where did he go to? He had to die to self. He had to die to lust. He had to die. And it's like, this thing that you're dealing with is the same. It is the same. And I know you don't want to, I don't, I know you don't want to give glory to yourself. And up until that first week and a half that I was so nice and, you know, I, I was firm. I, I did it nearly perfectly, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) as far as I knew, I was gracious with myself. I was forgiving all the things that, you know, the community, you know, they prop you up in the flesh, but it wasn't transformative. It was giving me tools that will help me lose weight. And these tools are going to do it. I know what they are, but I want to be transformed. And what he told me, he goes, food, Michelle, when you eat good foods, it transforms your body from the inside out. Mm-hmm. You can put junk in there, but if you put the right truth, if you're putting truth into your body in terms of your mind, if you are eating things that are going to help your body, it's going to change you from the inside out. It's the same thing with the word of God. The mm-hmm. word of God, I can eat it. I can drink his blood. And it's like this, these are the truths. These are the water cleanses, you know, I'm mm-hmm. learning about, I'm drinking water. Like, you know, I'm in the bathroom every 45 minutes <laughs> and I'm drinking so much water, but it's because there's so many poisons that need to go. I need to drink the water of life, uh, the truths of who Jesus is. And it will cleanse my body. It'll clean, cleanse my brain. It will cleanse me of the lies. Uh, that's part of walking it out is finding what the lies are. And he said, you can do this in me the same way anybody has to do anything that they're food is medication just like it's porn is medication just like uh anger just like yes like have you ever been completely full and satisfied and went back to get more of that thing because you weren't feeling good and you thought that thing would make you feel good that's exactly what porn is that's exactly what overeating is that's exact and it's it's this thing that says, oh, do some of this, you'll feel better. And then you do the thing and you're like, oh, I'm trash. I just ate a whole thing of ice cream. I was completely full, but I ate it because I was feeling sad about this or because I have no self-control. And it's the same thing when we realize we are healthy because he's made us healthy. And we do have self-control because he's given us self-control. Then we can say, oh, I can decide to do what's right. Exactly. That's why Jesus's first temptation was over food. <laughs> and, and he had to overcome for us yep. by starving for 40 whole days. I mean, that says to me how big an issue this is. Big, 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 big issue. Yes. Um, but anyways, I know that when I get there, it's because I've been learning to lay down I like to eat. I love, I love good food. I don't like to cook it. He's teaching me how to care for my body as the temple of God and that it takes some effort. I have to seek. I have to knock. I have to do some things that I'm not used to doing in order to. Here's the thing. You have to be yourself. You are a healthy person. You're, you're not waiting to be a healthy person. You are eating this way now because you are a healthy person. And that's the thing. If we're like, well, one day I'll be healthy if I just do this. No, you are healthy and that's why you're doing this. 
And that's the mindset shift. Like we are righteous because he did this. And so now we're going to have, we're going to, there's works that he set aside for us to walk in. I'm going to walk in it. Absolutely. Like this is how, you know, it's like the tools are still pretty much the same, except for the basis of why I'm even using the tools is because of Jesus. He, he took me and I was fallen at the end of that weekend. And as soon as he spoke, truth in life he goes ah you know all you have to do michelle is die to self (laughs) deny yourself i know how to do that yeah deny yourself okay i want to ask you this and then we'll we'll start uh landing the plane when you guys did this vespers i don't know nine months ago how did those conversations go beforehand where you're like should we shouldn't we what were the reasons and this is the the vespers where you kind of tell your story for the first time. And now you've told your story, you know, in Hawaii and you're telling your story on the top five podcast. I'm just <laughs> uh, but tell me about the lies that you were feeling that you, that the spirit was like, no, that's a lie. And why you were like, okay, we have the green light to tell this in a way that we haven't done it before. So, I would, if we go back 30 years, whenever it was that it took place, I would say for me, initially, there was no reason in my heart or mind to tell everybody. And the re- there's, there's a couple of reasons why I would justify that. Number one, Michelle knew, and Michelle's the one that I had offended. And so um, while there may be one or two or three other people that might have known about it, uh, Michelle's the one that I needed to make things right with, and I didn't need to tell everybody else. And so something that that I have believed and have kind of taught people, especially marriages, couples that are going through struggles, the fewer people that you bring into the mess, the easier it is for you to reconcile because people take sides and it just gets more difficult. And so reaching out in the middle of the mess and including a whole bunch of people doesn't make it easier. It makes everything more difficult. That's we just, we maintained. And I, when I say we, I think Michelle will address it, but she just agreed with me that we wouldn't share. I think she would rather have just told everybody, but I didn't, I didn't think it was right. The second reason was that of the, the people that were involved, the people that I involved, the women that were involved, um, I need to protect them. Mm-hmm. And and even, even in the, a few months ago when we decided to share publicly, that's that was still one of my concerns. I, mm-hmm. I want to protect sure. those people and those families. I believe I take full responsibility for those interactions. And I believe I've already caused enough pain in their lives. They need a journey with Jesus and they need, Wherever he's got them, I know they're his, and he's got to work that out for them, and I'm not going to. And so there, there was a big part of that that was hard for me. And so even in the telling of it, I've tried to be very careful because I don't want to cause more pain to someone else. Sure. Um, but at the same time, I don't think it's important for people to know them in order to know what God has done for me. And mm-hmm. like you said, the important part of the story is 
to be able to say, God has done this. And so as we begin to share it, that was what we talked about. We're going to share this in a way. And Michelle and I had shared in, in Marriage Encounter many times, but in our talks, we didn't talk about the adultery. We just talked about the issues, which is something else that I've always believed. And I've shared often with people as a pastor. The things I've learned aren't about the act. So adultery as an act is not the problem. The problem was the brokenness or the void or the the thing that I was trying to medicate within me, not the medication I was taking. I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, that makes perfect sense. But, But so I could address issues of you know, the lack of acceptance or the need, you know, the the destruction of abandonment or rejection. If you would not have actually fallen through and done and committed adultery, you still would have been in trouble because it was your heart. It It was what you were believing about yourself. It was your misconception about God. So let's say it was just an emotional fantasy affair in your mind. Does that make it better? Well, well, you didn't hurt your wife. I get... Well, the story is about where you were at. The story was about what was going on with you, and you were still in trouble. Yes, yes. So whether it got fixed before I took that step or after, it still had to be the same thing had to be fixed. I agree. And that, and that's probably why I hadn't. When the whole Love Reality, the Death to Life podcast, the, this whole community became something we were aware of um, and people were sharing so openly, which which I just want to affirm everybody in, that, that has done a podcast or that is part of this ministry. I think being open and sharing with each other is, is an incredible thing. And sharing the stories of God's redemption and healing is what it is all about. And that's why I agreed that we needed to share. And and we just, we knew we needed to talk to our kids first because our kids didn't know. And so we contacted, reached out to each one of them to make sure that they heard it from us before it became something we shared publicly. And <laughs> it was pretty easy because they're so free. I mean, they're like, oh, wow. I mean, I don't want to minimize it, but they handled it in the freedom that they're walking in. And, and they knew me um, post mm-hmm. these issues, so they didn't see me as that person. They saw me who God has, has transformed me to be today. So, In your telling the story, and you're telling it as, you know, this, is, this was something that I did, but this was old me. You know, I think sometimes people... And haters, you know, there will always be haters, and God bless them. They're hating because they say, oh, we're airing dirty laundry so that we can relieve some guilt from ourselves. I have not felt that with any one of these podcast episodes. I haven't felt like anyone has come on here and said, I need to tell you what I did so I can be free from it. I've I've only heard, I want to tell you what old me did so we can glorify our Father in heaven, and he's changed my life. Um. But still, when we're able to tell that story, it's like, yeah, this is not a part of me anymore, and it doesn't have anything to do with me moving forward unless it's me telling somebody about how good God is. And you telling this story, is there this sense of peace that, yeah, um, 
I did that because I was dead in my sins and transgressions, and now I'm alive in Christ. Has there been a a, a, a freedom in being able to move in this story where for so many years there was not a freedom to move in this story? No. Um, <laughs> cool. So the moment, the moment of freedom for me was when Michelle confronted me and I confessed. And from that full confession forward, I have felt free from those lies because she forgave me. And, wow. and that guilt of holding something in secret was there. I will say this, though, that sharing the story years later, it, it had two effects for me. I, it didn't have this, suddenly I'm free, I can tell everybody what took place. It, it didn't have that effect. It, it, it was a, a challenge to my freedom because it was easy in reciting the things that I had done. It was easy for the enemy to try to bring an identity to me from reciting it. And I had to remind myself, that's not who I am. That person is gone. Jesus has transformed my also heart. telling the story, he was like, you're still this guy. The enemy was trying to go, yeah, that I should feel shame. I should feel Mercy. guilt. And the darkness, it, it was a struggle. I hate, I hate the things that I did. I just want to say, For alive sure. or dead, I hate those things that I did. And so it was, and, and in doing them, they brought, it was, it was medicating something that only God could fix. And so it always left a sense of emptiness and guilt. And so now um, in Christ, when, when we shared, yeah, and it's getting easier and easier. I, it truly had become, I think I said this before, but it truly had become so far in the past. And Michelle, she never brings it up. She never, she doesn't throw it in my face. I never hear about it from her. Michelle is truly has shown me incredible grace. That is the biggest reason I agree that we should share. Hmm. And, and it's because God's grace has been given to me from God, but it's been evidenced to me through Michelle. And there's a part of our story that I believe needs to be told because we have an opportunity to share grace. And Michelle has been an absolute picture of God's grace to me. What he has done in our lives, he began a work in her, like she mentioned, three years before it came to a fruition, so to speak. Sometimes when I can't fall asleep, I'll start going back to my first year of marriage and I start thinking, man, if I knew what I knew now back then, man, all of the baggage and all of this. And I'm like, man, I could really love her. And I could, and I start maybe starting to feel a little sorry for Natalie back then and a little sorry for myself. And quickly I'll be like, Richard, this is not it. Love her now. You get to love her now. Like, if you're playing the, oh, I wish I could have, that means you're not living in the, oh, I get to do it now. So I get to love my wife now in real time. 
I, I don't have to hold any record of anything. I can, God has forgiven me. What, how dare I remind him of, <laughs> he doesn't need my reminder. I did that thing. I was selfish. I was dead. Yeah, he knows. That's why he came to save me. And yeah. so living in that past to be like, oh, I wish I could go back to our first year of marriage. Um, that's not it. It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't actually help me, but for me to say, wow, look what he's done. And now I can live like this. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Michelle, you didn't, you wanted the story because tell me, tell me why you were more open. I lived and I have lived too transparently most of the time for Wayne. Um, I will That's what Natalie speak says about out me. of my transparency. And sometimes, and I'm not saying that tr- that kind of transparency was always right. Sometimes it is kind of like airing your dirty laundry type thing. Yeah. That seems, that is a coping mechanism, I think, of the world. Where it's sure. like, if I can just get it out there, then I can just be accepted for who I am, all my warts, all my this, all my that. I, I think some of that we've seen in our culture, especially, you know, in the past many years, it's like, I just want to be accepted. I don't want to live in hiding anymore. And so there's that so that you can just live openly in your sin or with your sin or whatever it is. And that could be us. It's Um, like you go into confession. You want to go to confession because you can't live with this thing, but it's not because you're living free. It's because you're living guilty. (laughs) So I think there's that aspect of me you know, two. And yet one of the things at the very beginning, God gave us a text, you know, it had to do with anything that you keep hidden in darkness, you know, has power over you. But if we bring things to the light, speak it out in the open, it loses its power. And that's true. It's also, it seems to be true in not living a lie. You know, I think that's probably some of the first steps that we take towards freedom is that we aren't living a lie anymore. We're open. Um, yes, I wanted, I just wanted to be free to speak what I felt was the biggest miracle in our lives. Um, obviously there were other ones because I haven't got around telling all this stuff about my, my junk either. And a lot of that one, I've been trying to figure it out. You know, it's like, God, help me figure it out because there was so much confusion. There was so much good in the middle of it. There were so many lessons, spiritual lessons that I learned that I haven't had an answer to that story other than I was lost and unfound. Hmm. But I will tell it. I just haven't known in retrospect how to even tell it. Hmm. Um, in terms of us, um, Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. That is true when we're talking about other people that are being involved. Um, it's it, distance, I believe, has is part of protecting those other people that have been involved. Um, and I like Wayne. It's like I would like that part of laying down your life for another person is so that they can come to know Jesus. That's what the cross is. And in a marriage, that often comes into play with both of us. You know, he has to lay down his life with regards to the things that I'm struggling with that affect him and hurt him. And, 
we do that back and forth. Um, I just had a sense as I was listening to, you know, the openness. And it's like, Wayne, we have a story. We have a story. Um, yeah. He would he would say some things about what if we get fired? You know, and I said, well, in the climate in ministry today, um, it's very quick. You know, what if what happened to um, Eddie? would happen to us because we are a liability to the gospel of Jesus Christ in our church, in our church faith, you know, by telling this story, even though it was way before there is that thinking out there that once you commit a sin like this, you are never healed. Well, you know, 30 years later, and our, one of the things that people will ask us, how are all your kids walking in the truth? You know, how are, how did you do this? And it's like, well, <laughs> it involves a story we're not telling yet. You know, um, we are walking in freedom. And it wasn't just that. There's financial freedom. There was all kinds of different things. But the the main one started there. And the inability to share that if I felt I needed to um, without implicating guilt and shame on his part, I wanted I wanted to be free. And have I told it wherever I go? No, I still haven't. You know, we never did it. I, I haven't had a need to. Um, but if if the occasion should arise, um, I do believe that our testimony is what helps other people. Absolutely. And not only that, but it gives glory to Jesus. And so... Um, the first time I talked and met Jonathan, um, you know, stuff comes out of your mouth that you don't even realize is going to come out, you know, when Holy Spirit does stuff. And within two seconds, in a very covert way, in a very public place, Jonathan knew the source of yeah. our victory, you know. Prison. And I didn't say it in a way that was, it was just how come you haven't told it? And I said, I can't, I don't have permission to do so. So I had to wait until Wayne was ready. He knew that I was ready. When you're, when you're ready, you're ready. And he makes all things beautiful in his time. And he does. And I'm, I don't have to go back there and glorify anything except for what God did. Praise the Lord. And has done and keeps doing. So, I want you to both answer this question, and this is uh, this is how we'll wrap it up. If uh, someone who went to what what are you class of seventy nine? I don't know what class I'm from. Seventy nine. Oh wow. Seventy nine. Seventy eight. Seventy nine. Okay, good for me. I'm rem- a good memory. If someone <laughs> from class of seventy eight or seventy nine hears, oh, the Morrisons have, uh, they were they told their story on this podcast, and they listen to the podcast, and they get through both of the episodes and they're hearing this episode and they're like, wow, this is really cool. I'm not sure I've heard something that's different than what I believe about the gospel. Um, but they keep talking about the gospel and this thing that's changed their lives. Um, and now they're, you know, they're moving in this way, but they also know that there's something that they don't have. That when, that, when 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 you were talking about being at home lying on the ground 
hearing their family, they're realizing they don't have that experience with God. They don't know what home is like, but they want to be home. Um, what would you tell them is something that you have found out about God that is better than you thought it was, and you're able to live free in Christ? For me, I remember when Jesus told me to ask him to know his love. Hmm. And that would be, you know, the Bible says, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door. There's some effort involved, even on our, our part. And I can't control the wind. I can't, I can't make this thing happen. And I can ask. And I can believe that if he's done it for me, that he will do that for you. And the knocking on the door, all we have to do is open it up and receive that which he has promised to give. Sometimes we have to go over lots of stuff like what we did in order to get there. But once I asked that question, it seemed to kind of short circuit the difficulties, and I saw them differently. But also, it was almost like he started pouring out blessings. You know, the goodness of God leadeth to repentance. And by just me asking to know his love, to know his love through the cross, just to know his love, by me opening my mouth, Jesus became the word, and the word was made flesh. There's something about confession. There's something about it coming out of our mouths in the spiritual realms that opens the door. And I encourage people to say it out loud. You know, when you don't feel it and you don't feel like you trust Jesus, you speak it. And what comes out of your mouth, it's like God can work with that and work it into the reality in your heart. But the main part is that we need to know that we are loved by the God of heaven, that he doesn't stand in condemnation of us. And that love part from your head to your heart, we can't even do that. But Jesus can, but I can mm-hmm. ask. And that's the one thing that I, I can do. And it's probably the most pivotal thing in my whole journey is, is how it, it pivots almost on that one. Because when I know that I'm loved, I know that I know that I know that I'm loved. That first love that it says that we don't have anymore in Revelation, uh, when it counsels the Laodicean church to buy gold tried in the fire, you know, I said to open your eyes, Hmm. and I don't remember the third one, but it's like those things will be given to me along with knowing the love of Jesus. So I would just say, ask, he will give it to you. He will not disappoint you, I know it. If there's someone listening to this right now and you've you've heard what Michelle just said and you want that experience, I'm inviting you from your heart right now to speak to God and just say, show me your love. You can say it out loud. You can say it in your heart. But he will answer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What about you, Pastor Wayne? What would you say to someone, class of 78? So with the um, concept of Adam 1, Adam 2, I want to refer to my life in Wayne 1, Wayne 2. 
Okay. And Wayne one is buried, which means dead and gone. And when I think about him, there's some good things that we could recite or moments we could talk about. But I also know there's moments when he gave in to lies and there was very selfish, very manipulative, very, uh, I'm glad he's gone. Just want to say, I'm glad he's gone. And I think when we talk about these stories, people will hear the story and they get an element of hope. And they say, well, wait, there's something missing. What do I do? And, and like Michelle was mentioning, what's the step? Where do I go? And what you just did in prayer is is powerful. And I would just add to that, that um, you have to surround yourself with people who speak truth. And, and when I say that, it's, it's not the truths that we've held as a church. It's the truth about God's love and his forgiveness and wholeness and healing. And so many of us are wrapped in lies and, and we listen to lies that sound familiar. And because they sound familiar, we embrace them because even though they don't feel good or haven't helped us, the familiarity feels like home, and that's not really oh. home. The truth is that love, God's love, is unconditional. And I know we all say that loosely and freely, but check this out. It is unconditional. No conditions ever. His doors, his arms are always open, and he wants us. And so you have to surround yourself with people who speak the speak. They talk the talk, right? And walk that talk. They live in the freedom of their love. It's hard for us even to go to church if the people in our church aren't speaking unconditional love from God. Because you'll go there and you'll hear people say, God loves me unconditionally, so I have to. And all of a sudden, they've got a performance-based response, and it's not. God's love to us is God's love to us, and he changes us. We don't change. We're transformed. And the difference is, change is something I do. Transformation is something that happens to me. And that's gigantic. And so whether it's a Death to Life podcast, and you just listen to them all day long, or it's love reality and you're listening or Dan Moeller or anyone else you can find that's speaking these truths because it's happening all over and you need to listen to it. But you have to submerse yourself in these truths because we've been fed alive for so long. And it's easy to hear something that attracts, but if you want it to transform, you have to immerse yourself in it. Well, that answers the question, why church? It does. It kind of does. So important. Um, the body of Christ. Uh, yeah. We're not meant to do this alone. And uh, he's coming back to get his bride. And his bride is not just you and it's not just me. It's us. It's, it's us. us together. Um, yeah. Thank you guys so much. Uh, yeah. I've been wanting to hear this story. I didn't know how, uh, I didn't 
I didn't know very much about it until I heard your Vespers presentation. And then ever since then, I'm like, well, it's just a matter of time until we're doing it on the Death Alive podcast. And it's been <laughs> your your friendship to me and your um, ministry has been a blessing in my life and my family's life. And uh, I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness to his faithfulness, because uh, I know you guys really believe him when he says that he, that he loves you and it just comes out of you. So thank you so much. Thank you for, for sharing this thing. And it's been a blessing. I want to, I know you don't need affirmation, Richard, but um, keep up the good work. Death to life is changing lives. And so your desires as spoken are being fulfilled. God is using you. Praise the Lord, man. That's what, that's, that is that is the desire of my heart. Amen. Thank you, guys. Got me singing like glory. Yeah, it got me telling my story. Know that your love is pouring on me. And love is pouring on me. River flowing in and never ends. More than life, more than me, more than just pretend. You can feel in freedom from within. Freedom fly, be the child that you always been. This episode was brought to you by gospel loving listeners just like yourself. If you want to ensure more of these stories are heard by people and help build season three of the show and beyond, we'd ask that you please give to our building fund that's helping support the future of the podcast. It takes equipment and software and time and all that good stuff to make this an amazing listening experience for your ears. So we just ask that you help pay it forward like the person before you did to keep these amazing stories of God's transformative love rolling. You can go to lovereality.org slash give and choose death to life as the option to help us keep reaching more people and ensuring more episodes. Thank you so much, guys. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Singing like